Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 287 with Richard Lee of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What's going on, Founder Fam? Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine, and welcome to the Founder Podcast. Now, today we have an incredible guest. His name is Richard Lee, and funnily enough, uh, I just come back from having dinner with him here in Melbourne, Australia, extremely successful founder. He's created two successful companies, his first Brosa and now his second July. He's taken like July from zero to $5 million in annual revenue in just one year and uh, very, very smart founder. We talk about his journey. We talk about operations. We talk about scaling supply chain. I, I, I just feel really humbled to have him as a guest, to call him a friend And then also to have him as an instructor of our latest course called e-commerce masters. So if you have an e-commerce business and you're looking to scale it, you want to get it past the seven figure mark, you want to double, triple or quadruple your e-commerce revenue, you have to check out this course and make sure you check out the other episodes of this series where we've interviewed each one of these instructors for this course. We have five incredible instructors. They've all built very large e-commerce businesses, and they are all specialists in their desired field. So for Richard, we talk about scaling operations, manufacturing, and supply chain. Super smart guy. I've learned a ton personally. I'm going to take everything that I've learned and really help my partner Emily with her physical product business. Um, so much for you guys to learn. So guys, if you do want to know more about this incredible course, we are launching very, very soon. By the time you listen to this, the course will be out in the next few days. So make sure you go to founder, F-O-U-N-D-R.com forward slash e-commerce masters that's founder.com forward slash e-commerce masters so you can check out the course sign up for the early bird list if it is not available yet because we have early bird specials and pricing we're really really excited about this course and i think you get so much value from richard all right guys that's it from me if you are enjoying these episodes please do take the time to leave us a review it helps us more than you can imagine And tell your friends, if you have any friends that are founders, please let them know. 
We're on a mission to building one of the largest entrepreneurial brands around the world, impacting millions of people every single week with our content. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. So, Rich, um, tell us the first question that we ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how'd you get your job? It's actually a very interesting story because uh, fresh out of uni, I submitted my resume to a few places and I couldn't find a job. I didn't get even get a response. And I was like, fuck that. I'm just going to do something myself. And I started selling products online um, on eBay first. Then um, gradually I found that it's actually more meaningful if I start something myself, start a brand myself um, with a particular category that needs to be fixed. And uh, the first category we identified at that time was furniture. It was very, very painful to buy a piece of furniture in Australia. And uh, people putting huge, huge margin in all the products they sell. And like what uh, Jeff Bezos once said, uh, your margin is my opportunity. And we identified that being a huge opportunity. That's how we started Brossa. And uh, similar similar scenario for July Luggage. When did you start Brossa? Yeah, we had the idea end of 2013. Yep. And we quickly mapped out you know, the plan and uh, what we want to do. We launched the business uh, February 2014. So the business is still growing and is doing fantastic well. Interesting. And uh, you mentioned that um, you've kind of uh, taken a step back from Brosa to focus on July. July yeah. yeah. Why, why is that? I, I'm, I'm one of those who always want to challenge myself. And uh, I have been with um, Brosa from day one. You know, when I, well, I co-founded the business and uh, it's been five years and I figured that I need a new challenge. Um, and I, that's the time that I decided to take a step back. And I have two amazing co-founders in the business and they continue working in the business and with our investors and uh, board members. And I figured uh, the business is at that very stable stage and I could actually uh, take a step back and uh, do something else. Yeah, I see. So how did you come up with the idea for July? How did it start? You only launched last year, right? That's correct. Yeah. So we had the idea because we found that buying a piece of luggage is actually a very bad experience. It's always in uh, the department store or luggage um, retail chain. Uh, you walk into the store and nobody was helping you. And also everything was done in a traditional retail way, which is going through distribution and you buy a piece of luggage and uh, very often something goes wrong with the luggage. You have to find uh, the brand to get fixed or to get repaired. And it's a very, very painful experience. And from my experience at Brossa, we figured there's a better way, which is going direct. We do the design and the product development ourselves and it's our brand and we sell to our consumers directly and we look after the customer as well. And uh, so take, by taking a direct-to-consumer approach, we're actually looking after the uh, customer better. Yeah, I see. So um, when it comes to you know, launching July, what was your go-to market strategy? How long did it take to conceptualize and, and work on the product and have it ready? Sure, a good question. We had the idea, we had the idea, I think, May or June last year. Yep. And we, it took us maybe like, I think, a couple of months to figure out the brand, to figure out the products, and uh, to, 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 you know, to get the design ready. And uh, we find, we, it took us a couple of months to find the best manufacturer to help us realize the product. So it take roughly about half a year yep. for us to have uh, the product, uh, product finalized, to have the brand ready, to have the website ready, and uh, to launch the brand. So we soft launched the product, soft launched the brand um, December last year, yep. and uh, proper launch was February this year, which is twenty. So February last year, sorry. Yes. <laughs> so which is twenty nineteen. Yeah, I see. Yeah, interesting. And in the past year, um, you guys have had incredible growth and traction. Would you be able to share some uh, numbers around that? Yeah. Absolutely. So we, as I, as I mentioned, we launched the business February last year, yep. um, and the business quickly uh, quickly grew. And uh, the entire financial year, uh, we are on track hitting five million dollars. And uh, it's the growth was from you know the 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 love of the brand, you know, from a from from a great you know customers in Australia, and. Uh, and also just uh, from a good word of mouth and people talk about the brand and people love the product, people keep coming back to buy more and uh, that's where the majority of growth is from. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, zero to five mil 
even yeah like for an e-com product that's incredible growth um did you uh how did you fund it uh, originally can you talk to us about that and I, i'd love to talk more about the growth strategies and even even the scale side yeah yeah absolutely um when we started it was just me and Ethan, so two of us yep and very quickly, um, there's, a, there's an angel investor who want to come on board. We thought about it and uh, it made a lot of sense at the time. So we raised an angel round, uh, you know, with a, with, a, with a local investor here. And then earlier 2019, um, and we got a, you know, someone approached us and uh, wanted to put in more money uh, for our seed round. And we raised uh, like a small amount of seed round. We actually talk about it in the, to the press. It's about a million dollars. And uh, right after that, so we got approached by two amazing investors and they want to put in more capital into the business to fuel the growth. And uh, we thought that makes a lot of sense. And one of the investors is actually Strandbags, which is one of the largest um, luggage retail chain uh, in Australia. Yep. And, uh, and it's been crazy, crazy, uh, crazy year and also been an amazing year. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you think you could have launched july without capital Mm. yeah yeah good question actually um i managed to do that for brossa we actually didn't raise any capital for the first for the first year and a half um like what jack ma from alibaba said 99 percent of startups didn't die because they didn't have money they actually died because they have too much money and very often like a lot of startups they they, a lot of companies or a lot of people think that, oh, I don't have money. That's why I can't launch a business um, and because this, this job pays me really well and I'm not going to get the same amount of pay um, you know, if I start a, start a business. So a lot of time, it's actually not because um, they, they, don't, they don't have money. Actually, they have too much money. So to answer your question, I can definitely, if I didn't have the capital, I would do it the same, same way. Um, it's just going to be a smaller scale. Yeah, and do you think it would have grown as fast? Probably not, because there are a lot of tests that you um, you you want to do only when you have a good amount of capital behind, yeah. like um, a lot of the marketing strategy. Because sometimes it's a lot of risk. Yeah. you know, you're putting money in a campaign that might not work, might not give you the return. So I don't suggest when you don't have a good amount of capital behind. Yeah. And uh, if we didn't have money, I probably think twice. Yeah. You know, for the sort of campaign, the, the, the those campaigns that we're doing, because we have capital, we could actually play some bets. Yeah, I see. So, because I think sometimes people look at physical product businesses, and you think of you know furniture yeah. or luggage, very capital intensive type companies. Um, a lot of people think, yeah, you have to go out and raise money. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess to a, to a degree, like correct, um, because. Especially with, because um, furniture is actually very different. If I talk very specific, um, if I talk very specifically about the two different categories, furniture in Australia, um, if you buy, if you go out and buy a piece of furniture from Church Street, you actually have to wait for about anywhere between, you know, 12 weeks and 20 weeks or sometimes even longer. And the entire furniture industry um, is actually broken. You, you pay deposit. But you pay a deposit for something they don't have. Yes. So that's we call a negative cash cycle, which is pretty good. That's helped us bootstrap the business for Brossa at the beginning as well, because we could collect money upfront and then pay a deposit to our manufacturers to produce a piece of furniture. So that way, it's actually very easy to um, to build a furniture business from that perspective. For luggage, I guess it's a little bit different because. Um, especially for July, we nothing is off the shelf. We have to open modes. We have to do a lot of product development, and there's a very high MOQ, so which means minimum order quantity. Yes. I guess when I say I didn't need external capital to to build a business, not like 100% correct. You do have you do need some capital. Yes. Like in our um, you know in our case, uh, each one of us had to put in you know like. Um, some money, you know, yeah. fifty to hundred k. Yeah, you, know, you got to have putting some money yeah, to start of course. a business. Yeah, you can't start with zero with, with a physical zero. product. With yeah, physical, yeah. physical yeah. product is very yeah. very difficult yeah. unless you have amazing term with the manufacturer, and also you don't do product development. You have to buy stuff off the shelf. Yeah, uh, that's a different story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. So one thing that I'd love to talk to you about around the scale piece 
is uh, you know you were an instructor for one of our courses that we're launching yeah. soon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, awesome. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, e-commerce masters, where you know your expertise that you teach in that module is around manufacturing and scale and operations. That's correct. So you know with July in particular. Um, with that kind of scale, zero to, to five mil in 12 months, that's a lot of products. Yes. Sometimes, and even from my experience, manufacturers can't keep up. Yep. When you're dealing with that kind of scale, like, did you have to use multiple manufacturers? Like, how do you, what do you, like, how do you, can you just give us a bit of an insight there? What, what should you be doing? Yeah. So you have to at the beginning when you when you find a manufacturer you have to make sure that this manufacturer can grow with you because a lot of businesses when they start they work with a small manufacturer then they grow to a medium size and they have a large size what you need to make sure is that this manufacturer can actually grow with you that's the first first thing and the second thing is uh, you want to make sure you have proper planning yes. you want to make sure that you have um you know, you plan out the next six to 12 months time. Very often, like people forget about planning because factories need to, need to lock in production slots. Yes. As long as you give them the production slots and they allocate the production slots for you, then you will be okay. Yeah. And when you have like explosive growth, you have to make sure that there is another manufacturer, better, bigger manufacturer waiting. So you have to develop those relationships early on. And uh, this is something that I talk about um, in the in the course, you know how you find the perfect manufacturer uh, for your products uh, for your business. Interesting. So, when you're starting out, for example, um, do you think you need to go to China to to find a great manufacturer, or just test it and you know find something off Alibaba? What's your take there, man? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are many many ways to find a great manufacturer, and uh, like I said, I also talk about this in the in the course. Yes. Um, people people always have the perception that they have to go on Alibaba and find a manufacturer. Actually, some of the top manufacturers they're not on Alibaba or they're not active on Alibaba. You have to find use other ways to find them. So there are many many ways to find them. You know, you can go to the fairs. There's a there's a big one called Canton Fair. Yes. There's a like international furniture fair in Shanghai in Guangzhou. Yes. Um, and the lighting show in Hong Kong, for example, there are many, many ways to find them. Um, there's a, there's actually a the, the one of the best ways I actually talk about uh, in the course um, is is through software. You can actually use software to find the perfect manufacturer for your products. Mm. Um, especially look at you know your competitors in a different market and see what, who they are using. For example, mm. you actually find these suppliers. I think depending the scale that you're in, depending on the product categories you're in, for the category that we are in, which is luggage, it made a lot of sense to go to China. It made a lot of sense to talk to your manufacturer directly. Yes. Um, so it really depends on whether you're doing larger products, whether you're doing a huge volume. If you're doing small volume, that's a different. If you're doing job shipping, that's different. So if you're doing your own brand, it makes a lot of sense to go to the go to China, go to the manufacturer and talk to them. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So um, talk to me around kind of you, one thing that I think is interesting is you said planning. Yeah. Like especially like, you know, we're speaking right now, you know, it's first first week of Jan 2020. Um, we know Chinese New Year's coming. Right. I'm sure, you know, you guys are loading up. How far ahead should you plan? Like, let's just say you've launched your product, you've got, you know, you've got some sales coming in right now. Um, should have you already been back ordering? Like, like how do you work out? Because cash flow can be difficult. when can be. Yeah. So what, what like, like how far advanced and, and what are your rules there? Yeah, absolutely. So... You always want to do at least three to six months yep. um, forward planning, yes. and we always place our last order, um, you know, before before Chinese New Year, yes. last order in October, yes. um, because our production will take roughly about two months, yes. and uh, and then you have to allow some time for loading and uh, and uh, that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, so you always want to have like three to six months yes. in terms of the cash flow. Um, what you can do is you can negotiate better term with your, with your supplier. For example, you can put down smaller deposit yep. or you can choose not to pay deposit mm. depending on the agreement that you, um, you have with your supplier. So there are many, many ways to limit your risk. Yes. Yeah. When it comes to like if you were to negotiate with a manufacturer starting a new company tomorrow, um, what kind of terms, what kind of favorable terms would you be looking for? So as a standard term, it's 3070. 
So when you go to a manufacturer, they will ask you to put down 30% deposit yep. and 70% before shipment yep. as the first um, first order yep. or 70% on copy of bill of lading. Yes. So that's like the standard standard term. Yep. I always try to get better term. I think you can actually get like say 10 or 20% deposit yes. then the rest on shipment. Yep. You can ask for these kind of terms straight away. Yep. Uh, sometimes you get... Um, a yes sometimes you get a no yes. but one thing I know for sure is that you don't ask you don't get so I always try to ask these questions and as you work with the manufacturer like a lot more you can actually start asking for payment afterwards so when you have a bit of trust uh, between each other you can pay 30 day after shipment 60 day after the shipment or 100 day after shipment wow. depending uh, depending on the arrangement you can actually talk about this with your suppliers yeah wow interesting and as you grow with your supplier you're ordering you know your company's growing like you guys right you're ordering more at, like how often should you be asking for you know you're ordering more mar- you're ordering more products so you get better margin cost per unit but then also like discounts all that kind of stuff how often and, and what kind of terms would you like even from a percentage range when you first work with them until higher quantities like what kind of ranges should we look for i mean there's no set rule like when you ask these sort of questions to your yeah. suppliers but if you think that your volume is like doubled or tripled you should definitely ask these sort of questions yes and you probably get a no, then yeah. what you should do is you should get a quote from a different supplier yes. and go back to them and say, hey, I got a quote from this supplier and it's a lot cheaper. What can you do about it? And then that's the time that they will probably you know, consider this properly. And uh, there's no set rule, but you should ask these questions. Coming back to July, like incredible growth. Like I can see you guys building something very, very big and significant. You know, you've come into the market quite aggressively and uh, you've grown quite aggressively. Yes, you had capital, but I would argue that even if you didn't, the product is incredible. Yeah. You've made us like this special founder bag, which we'll, yeah. we'll show on the screen. It's like so cool, yeah. I'm, like so pumped, because yeah. um, I, I travel a lot because uh, yeah. we have offices internationally and whatever, but um, so thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, what have you done to differentiate? Yeah. Because there are a lot of luggages and yeah. like there's so many to choose from. What Correct. what have you done? And to appeal to the younger generation in yeah. particular that are yeah. buying online. Well, the, the, so the major difference from a business perspective is actually uh, the business model. We, uh, first of all, we are digital native and we are direct to consumer. So there's no middleman. The, the, the cost of making this piece of luggage is a lot higher than any other brands out there. Yes. So something that sell for, you know, $300, $400 in the store probably only costs $20, $30 because there's so many people in the middle and everyone needs to take a margin. But for us, it's a little bit different. We are the only one that, that, that take a margin. And because of that, we can actually pass on the savings to our consumers. And something similar like July Luggage, if this were to retail in a, in a, in a proper retail store, well, say Maya David Jones, uh, it, it will be, yeah, it would be priced at around $800, $900 in order for everyone to make some money. Yeah. Um, that's the, 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 the major difference. And of course, because we're direct to consumer, we're able to look after customer. We're able to offer 100-day trial. So if people don't like the luggage for any reason, we can return it for free for customers. And plus, there's a lifetime warranty. So anything goes wrong with the case, we'll always look after them. And we're very, very confident because we build the product ourselves, we design the product ourselves, and uh, that's the major, major difference, I would say. Yeah, that's a pretty incredible offer. Like, I interviewed the founders of Warby Parker, and, you know, similar kind of offer. Like, you can try on the the, the glasses, you don't even need to, to leave. Yeah. You can, like, the incredible warranties, yeah. incredible uh, guarantees, right. and then also... Um, they also have, uh, you know, some special cause that they donate, uh, you know, a percentage of uh, profits and like yeah. incredible offers. Like you can't lose. Yeah. Correct. You know? Yeah. So correct. talking about service, we actually, you know, we've met each other today for the first time. You shot the course with Zach and all the yeah. guys, right? Um, but this is the first time we met. But we, Emily and I, my partner, were going to um, Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, we just come back and um, I'm recently engaged now and oh, I proposed. Thank you. And um, yeah, we want like a, we want to you know have like she needed a new bag and I was like, yeah. oh, you should get a July bag. Yeah. And um, you know she went to the store in Emporium and yeah, um, yeah she like loved it. And then just before like uh, we were, everyone was going on break uh, about a month ago, yeah. 
the lock wasn't working. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was supposedly like the first time it's ever happened. Yeah, like you, that's and, right, yeah. And uh, you didn't even know it was Emily and you yeah. actually came to her house yeah. like when everyone was like, you know, it's like the end of the end of the year. Why did you do that? Like, why would you take, like as a CEO of a company, take time out of your day to go and visit a customer and to fix a lock? And yeah. she was super embarrassed because as soon as you walked in, she yeah. said it like worked straight away. <laughs> and it was like, and you're yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, why did you do that, man? Yeah, I think for us, what we want to build is like an amazing brand. An amazing brand is reflected in many, many different areas. It's reflected in the product quality, the product design, and ultimately, it's the customer satisfaction. For us, customer satisfaction sit here, on the, right on the top. And we will do whatever to make the customer happy. And just to give you an idea, we had some deliveries that we couldn't get delivered um, on Christmas Eve day. I basically drove a van and around Melbourne and deliver all the cases myself one by one. And I, I, I needed to do that because I know that some people are gifting, you know, July suitcase to someone else. So it's super, super important for us to look after our customers. And I will do this today. I will do this next year. I will do this, um, you know, in five years time. I actually tell you a very interesting story. We went to see an investor in Sydney um, right before the round was closed. And we, we had lunch at uh, the investor's house and then right after that, I actually scheduled um, like a repair work for a customer in a, in a, like a, on the different side of the city. When we got there, um, I fixed the lock for the customer and the customer actually took a photo um, and posted on Instagram. That night, um, she discovered that uh, her sister was actually the head chef at the investor's house. And that was a massive, massive coincidence. And I don't know what, I don't know if that played a, um, you know, played a role in the in the in the investment, but we got the investment in the end. So that was a very interesting story. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you know, some people might be watching and it's like, oh, this was set up. Like he's just saying, like July's amazing, and like he yeah. just visited his girlfriend. But it legitimately was random. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, it was. What, yeah. what were the chances that yeah. you would just appear at our place in Richmond? Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. And you sold like thousands of units. That that's that right. Month. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We don't yeah. we don't really have a lot of um, um, product issues. Whenever we have product issues, yeah. uh, we take it very very seriously. You know, is it really a product issue? Or is it uh, like a, a human issue? So we have to find out. You know, what the problem is and uh, resolve it for the customer. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, crazy, you know, just like, what are the chances? What a small yeah. world. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that Paul Graham talks about in the early days of launching a company is do things that don't scale. Yeah. Is that kind of part of? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And the investor, uh, one of the investors we have, uh, Strandbags, was very, very surprised that uh, sometimes we use Uber to deliver. Um, oh, Uber? Uber to deliver. Oh, because wow. some people just want the case straight away. We're like, you know what? We can make it work. If you're in Sydney CBD, if you're in Melbourne CBD, we can actually Uber to you in the next uh, 10, 15 minutes. And we could do this. And uh, Strandbacks was very, very surprised about it. And I completely agree with that. At the beginning, you don't do things at scale. You, know, you just do all the little things that make sure that, um, make sure your brand is unique to the customer, look after your customers. And ultimately, this customer will come back. Ultimately, this customer will tell their friends, their family, because word of mouth, is the best marketing tool and you it's it has the lowest customer acquisition cost yeah because like how many do you, people do you think emily told after yeah. that story and how many people think i told like yeah it's crazy right that's right yeah. exactly talk to me around the direct-to-consumer trend and you you said it's doing really well for you guys that we were talking about where you know, I you know I, every time I go to the to the states in New York, you see a Warby Parker store, you'll yeah. see a Casper store, um, a lot of these big you know Glossier and one yeah. of Emily's favorite brands is Glossier. Yeah. So like you see these big you know direct to consumer physical product brands where they have an almost cult following, and they're you know very targeted the younger market, and they're so cool. They always have physical stores now, and it doesn't yeah. seem like they just stay purely online. You guys did it. Why? We opened the store August last year, which is exact half a half a year in business. We believe that business should should never just be online. It should also be offline because of a majority of customers still offline, and it's an extra touch point for people to come in and uh, uh, have a look, you know, have a feel, you know, touch and feel the products, and talk to your staff, 
get to know the brand and get to know the business. And it's working incredibly well and people discover us through Instagram, through, through Facebook, and they come in and they, they touch and feel the product and they purchase on spot or, you know, they buy online. We actually don't have a target. We don't have a hard target for our offline store because really? the offline store for us is a way to, I would say, to get to know our consumers and let our consumers to get to know us. And we don't, we don't need our staff to close the sale on spot. It's not a target for us. The target for us in the store is to tell the story and to tell them the, the product features, uh, to show them the different colors because Online, offline, there's always discrepancy, you know, from your screen and to the physical products. You want them to, to see the product in person. Then whether they choose to buy or not, whether they choose to buy from the store or online, it doesn't matter. And we've seen huge growth, not just from an offline store, but also online after we have the store um, in back in August last year. When it comes to like a retail store though, like that is a totally different beast, man. Yeah. Like talk to me about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, I, cause I personally, like I, I if online companies don't I have no interest in doing every retail. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe we'll do a co-working space and bits and pieces like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's a completely different yeah. business. I completely agree. But we, we, we had a thought about it. We thought that's something we need to do. And the way to make it work is to have amazing people. And if you don't know uh, certain things, you make sure you hire the right people for the right job. And that's what we did. We hired an amazing retail manager and teach us uh, what to do. I'm not going to pretend I know everything. And uh, we don't pretend that we know everything about uh, retail. And uh, it's our first store and there is still a lot of learning. Um, but it's a great start. And uh, for us, it made a lot of sense and it's something that we had to do. It's actually one of the main uh, growth pillars for the business. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's what um, I've, I've, I've read that uh, that's what Jeff Bezos does, Amazon, when they're looking to enter a new market, like, you know, for example, cloud storage, yeah. they hire people that have done it before that are incredibly strong there. And yeah. that's where they start to build up their own IP and, and exactly. start to execute. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. You need great people. Um, because just two of us, we can't do everything. And the huge growth is actually from our team and not just ourselves. So talk to me around what's next, growth strategy. Um, you said something very interesting to me offline because I was like, oh man, like, you know, obviously, you know, Asia Pack, and yeah. then that's probably going to be your springboard. You did some stuff in Singapore and, yeah. and um, then, then probably springboard to US. And you yeah. said, oh, no, 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 no. Um, we're looking at a different market. So talk to me about that. Yeah, sure. I just said um, retail store is one of the main um, pillars of our business. There are actually four uh, growth pillars for July um, in 2020, and uh, retail store is one of them. Yeah. Um, personal, personalization is one of them. More products yes. and international markets. Yes. So these are the four growth pillars for the business. And international is actually very, very important uh, to us. Um, and Asia Pacific is the main focus for us. Uh, we recently launched in Singapore. We actually did a hard push, um, you know, in Singapore, November, December last year. Yes. And it's working really, really well for us. We don't have a retail store there yet, yes. um, but for online, it's working very, very well. And the next big market for us is China. Um, and we're thinking to launch the business um, sometime this year, maybe second half of the year yes. to have a presence in China. Yeah, that's really interesting. So um, China is a massive market. Yeah. Uh, much bigger than the U.S. in many aspects. Well, it is. Yeah, it is bigger, bigger, bigger than, than the U.S. So I'm curious, one of my mentors, um, his company, they launched in China and he said it's like totally different. Like yeah. it's just, even the way you do business over there. I'd love to get some insights. Like, you know, if you guys are, uh, you know, direct-to-consumer brand online yeah. um, predominantly and you've got your few kind of flagship stores um, and that's the play, uh, you're not going to be using Instagram. You're going to be using your WeChats and, you, yeah. you, you know, the... the the other tools That's like right. yeah, yeah yeah so they have all their own tools so yeah. do you set up an office there hire local people what, what what do you do yeah absolutely you just you said something absolutely correct in china it's a completely different world out there we're using very very different services over there so in in australia we use instagram facebook you know google a lot yeah. uh in china everything got blocked yeah. so you actually you actually can't use instagram you actually can't use google there and uh 
you just use something equivalent, you know, like WeChat, Weibo, you know, and uh, now TikTok, you know, in China is pretty big as well. The 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 go to market strategy for us is that um, you know, obviously setting up a business there and uh, and setting up an office, you you need to be able to hire um, local talent yes. uh, to execute a lot of the strategy uh, for you and with you. Um, like because most of the strategies that are working for us in Australia wouldn't work over there. It's just completely different market, and uh, you just need to take a completely different approach. You want to be able to give the decision making power to the local team. Yeah, wow. Know? And uh, Airbnb is actually a great example. They made a very important decision early, early days when they set up an operation in China. Everything is run and managed by Chinese, and they have one of the co-founders. Um, one of the co-founders actually moved uh, to Beijing. And to work with the local team, but ultimately the decision, decision is made by the local team. That's exactly what we are going to do over there. Interesting. And you wouldn't use a distributor because I know a lot of uh, you know physical product companies when they want to get into different markets you know, or different retail stores, yeah. they they use a distributor. No, yeah. no, it's still no distributor because July is a D two C brand. We want to be able to control the experience. And because of that, it doesn't matter which market we're in, and we want to be able to look after the customer and experience. So the, the major difference, though, is that as a D2C brand in Australia or in the US, you actually can launch a brand on your own website, like July.com. Mm. In China, it's very, very different. And most of the D2C brand, they actually don't have the website. They actually have a store on Tmore.com or JD.com. They actually don't wow. have a website. That's Website crazy. don't get traffic at all. Uh, in China. So that's the major difference. It's a decision that we are still making what we do, whether we make it, we open a store on Tmall or we, we open a like proper website. Cause website will be very, very challenging and very expensive to bring traffic to. July.com is a great domain. Yeah. It's, uh, four letters. I know how costly it was for us to even get founder.com without the correct spelling so founder without the e um how'd you get that we when we started the business um we wanted to get july.com but it was it was for sale super super expensive um as you know um and what we did was that just like Jobbox when they first launched, they call it, it was called uh, getjobbox.com. Yep. And we were like, if Jobbox could do that, we could do that as well. Yeah. Our first website was uh, getjuly.com. Yeah. And when we raised capital, and one of the one of the first um, uh, expenditure was to acquire this domain. Yes. And I believe in uh, great name, great domain, because um, we are a brand. And I want to make sure that um, you know we have our July.com. So we reached out to uh, the domain owner yep. and negotiated a deal and uh, finally acquired the domain. And uh, I can't disclose the total amount, but it was expensive. Yeah, no, um, I totally understand. Uh, same kind of situation for us. And I agree with you 110%. Yeah, we were found a mag at yeah. first. Yeah, but um, yeah, I agree. Like there is so much weight in a strong domain. People yeah. just don't, you just don't, see it right like well you don't even think about it but we're even if someone goes to your website and they see well july.com these guys must be legit correct like yes like so much like inherently like us as humans because the internet's been around and domain names we're just trained to think shorter you know a whole word or like something very commonly used Wow, this must be a decent company. Like it, it assigns a lot of value. Exactly, I I I can't agree more. Um, especially if you want to be around for a very long time and want to build, you know, many many products under this brand. And I felt like July.com is super important for us. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, no, super cool. So I'm curious as well when it comes to your first sale. Yeah. When did that happen? How did it happen? I I still remember our first sale was. Um, end of November when we first um, launched the business and it was actually a friend of Athens to show support yes. and uh, yeah it was it was amazing we actually got a lot of support from family and friends very very early days and I remember when we first launched we each one of them we gave them a founder tag um, just like when Tesla you know launched in Australia yeah. they have a founder uh, edition yes. so we made each one of them a personalized luggage tag with a founder um, you know, uh, stamping at the back. Yeah. Um, it's funny because yesterday there was a customer 
um, come into our office and say, hey, I'm one of the originals and I want to buy a larger case now. We're like, what do you mean one of the originals? Look at this. This is a larger tag. Yeah. And uh, we were like, then we talk about, we, we told all the staff about the, the early day story. It was very interesting. And uh, yeah, I was, yeah, we're, we're very, very lucky and uh, we got a lot of support from people around. What channels were, were most effective? Facebook ads? Yeah, Facebook is very effective for us um, um, because we got a lot of UGC, you know, user-generated content and people submit, you know, people send us the photos and videos when they're using July cases. We actually use them as marketing tools. So Facebook is very, very effective. And also at the same time, uh, bottom funnel, we actually use, um, we use a lot of Google Shopping, we use Google AdWords. So it's working very, very well for us as well. And uh, so these are performance marketing. On top of that, you know, obviously we work very closely with our PR team, you know, you know, using PR is a, is an amazing tool for us. Yes. Again, it's instant credibility and uh, a lot of brand awareness. Yes. And uh, on, you know, top of all of these, you know, we also run, you know, some above the line, you know, radio, you know, interviews, podcasts. Oh, really? We actually do a lot of these as well. Oh. And uh, yeah, it's working. Everything works, you know. Yeah, so there's nothing. So if you're relying on just one channel, your customer acquisition cost is going to increase over time. You know, you have to you have to have multiple channels working together so that will drive down your acquisition cost. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's our strategy. Cool. Yeah, I like that. And um, curious as well. Uh, can hear a little bit of an accent, but still, yeah, like a little bit of an Asian accent. Uh, yeah. When did you come to Melbourne? Um, yeah. uh, where, where, like how long? Uh, where, where, yeah. What's your background? Yeah. My background is Chinese. Yeah. I was born and raised over there. Yeah. I came here when I was uh, 17 yes. to further my study. Yes. So I did, uh, I did one year of high school and uh, started you know, going to Melbourne Uni. And I did finance and economics in university. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. You know, I love the mixed culture in, in Australia. I'm also very, very fortunate being able to speak Chinese and understand the culture over there because this make our, you know, the business, business side of things very, very easy for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, how often do you go back? I try to go back, you know, uh, once every month or every two months. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's important to see what's happening there. It's important yes. to see, to go to our factories and make sure everyone's happy, make, yes. sure, that, uh, make sure that our QC is done properly. And, uh, you know, ultimately it's important to, to be there and to show face. Yeah, when it comes to doing the QC, uh, what do you use? Do you use a service or you have someone internally yeah. or... We have, we have people internally yes. uh, from Australia. Yes. Uh, we actually send our QC guys from Australia to China, to our manufacturers, to QC. And all our cases are 100% QC. Every single case is, is inspected by our QC guys. Wow, that's crazy. That's a pretty big cost, man. Mm, not really. Not really, because the cost of losing customer, the cost of an unhappy customer is actually more expensive. How did you work that out? Because having a... How I work that out is um, I look at the average lifetime value of a customer. Yes. Um, at the moment, our LTV is roughly sitting close to a thousand dollars. If I lose a customer, that means I lose a thousand dollars. So that actually is a lot more expensive than sending a QC guy from here to China and uh, inspecting every single case. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So um, talk to me around how you met your co-founder. Yeah. How come? Like, yeah. How did you guys meet? We met in a cafe called A Coffee, so just in Collingwood, um, because um, he was running his own business. He's the, co-founder, he's the founder and CEO of a business called uh, 3000 Thieves. It's an online coffee subscription business. So um, he, I was running Brossa at the time. So we always um, end up working in a cafe, you know, you know sitting you know, next to each other. And uh, naturally, you know, in Collingwood, you start talking and uh, we became friends and we talk about business ideas and we... We talk about, um, you know, my experience in China because he launched his business in China as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, so when we had this idea, you know, instantly we're like, let's do this. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So talk to me around, um, I'm curious, you're obviously really strong at product development. Yep. What are the rules that you use? Like when it what? comes to product development, um, my rule of product development is going to the factory. Don't sit in front of a computer in Melbourne and, uh, and do all the drawings because very often the technical drawings here do not work um, you know, in the factory. 
you have to be redrawn you know, at the factory. So my suggestion is if you're working on a project, make sure you bring this project to the manufacturers, whether your manufacturer is in Vietnam or China, it doesn't matter. Talk to them because very often they have very stronger, like a very strong understanding of what you want to build. Yes. It might surprise you. Should you try to do local first if you can? Well, it depends on what products. Yes. There's a lot of products. It's actually very hard to even get a prototype in Melbourne now mm-hmm. because we are losing uh, manufacturers in, in Australia. We don't have a lot of manufacturers and we don't have a lot of you know, product developers here. Yes. Um, so it depends, depends on the category that you, you, you are doing. You know, if, if it's a luggage, I, um, 100% you have to go to China. You have to go to Indonesia. Yes. Um, you, don't, you don't sit here. You don't, you know... You don't talk to the manufacturer here because there's no, there's no manufacturers here. When it comes to product development, uh, the actual product itself in terms of specifications, unique value proposition, how do you work out what it is that people want, what is enticing? How do you make sure you don't have too many features, too less, design a me too product, all those things, what do you do? Well, when we started um, July, we list out all the different product features we think that people might want and people want. Then we rank them. Yes. Then after that, we actually talk to real people, people around us and people we, we don't know and ask those questions and get them to rank them. Yes. And ultimately, uh, their opinion with our opinion together, we list out the top features that we want to include, we want to have uh, in the products. Sometimes you don't want to have, you don't want to have too many features yeah. because having too many features in the luggage, for example, is going to end up too heavy. It's, it's, it's always a tough one. It's always a tough one. It's almost like a, a piece of art. So you have to make sure that it's something that people are actually going to like and people are actually going to use. Um, so it's, I think it's a lot of, um, initial research and it's also, um, product iteration because you don't, you don't develop a product and and that's it. You actually change along the way. If you look at our case, for example, this is probably ver- version three. Even though they look very very similar, this is already version three, and we're making more changes um, this year as well. Wow. So um, when you got your first prototype, did you like speak to a lot of people or, or like? Hundred percent. The first people I speak to is my family, so I show them and uh, get their opinion. And then I talk to friends, um, you know, we talk to random people. Uh, when we develop this product, we have, we asked probably hundreds of different people and to make sure that we're actually on the right track. We had a lot of different product ideas and in the end we shortlisted and uh, this is the final, final piece. Yeah. yeah, interesting. And how, how do you know what to cut and what to keep? Sometimes, you know, from those, uh, from, from those feedback sessions and you make decision, you know, what to cut and what to keep. Um, but sometimes it's also your uh, entrepreneurial, you know, sense, you know, what is the, yeah, correct. What is right? What is wrong? Uh, because I, I can't say that this is definitely going to work. Sometimes you have to throw it to the market and see what the market feedback is. And we were very, very lucky because when we launched the product, everybody loves, loves it, you know? And, uh, yeah, we're very, very fortunate about it. Even the colors to choose from, how do you work that out? Yeah, colors is, colors, there's, there, there are a lot of ways to find the right colors. And, you know, you look at the trend reports, you know, you, you ask people around as well, and you, you launch with the several colors and test. And uh, we're going to introduce more colors as well. We're probably going to do some color refresh uh, this year. Yes. Um, so it's, uh, there's no set rules what you, what you do. Sometimes it's, it's, it's always a hit and miss scenario, I think. And, You've obviously got your luggage, which is your flagship products. What you said that you're going to launch a full suite of products. That's right. Um, what sort of complementary products are you looking to add on? So anything to do with travel. And we want to elevate people travel. And uh, the year of 2020 especially is all about self-expression. And when people travel, people want to use like good products and when people shop these days, they want to shop well and shop once. Like people like us right now, I believe you guys are the same. We want to buy good quality products that we can use for a very long time. I don't want to use a product that's going to break. I don't want to use a product that's going to yeah, break it within, within several weeks or several uses. And that's the sort of product we're going to develop. We're going to develop uh, high quality products that are going to complement your, your travels. And uh, we're going to complete the entire family, you know, starting with um, soft ranges and some other accessories. So 2020 will be a big year for us. There'll be a lot of products um, releases this year. What do you think will be the most 
popular in demand? Well, luggage carry-on, our carry-on range is the most popular products um, by far. And uh, I think when we launch the soft goods, I think soft goods is going to be very, very popular as well. Because one is our soft goods going to work with um, our suitcases like perfectly. Yes. They're also amazing standalone products. So that we're going to launch, um, I think, first half of the year. Awesome. So, look, we'll work towards wrapping up, man. This is an incredible conversation. Um, Thank you so much for your time. The last question I'd like to ask you is, um, what would you share with anyone looking to start or grow a physical product-based business? Now doing it two times reasonably successfully. I think um, starting a physical product and business is actually very, very hard. There are many, many things that you need to be careful. Like there are many, many things that you need to, um, you need to do, and not just branding and uh, marketing and the website. You also need to be able to know the entire supply chain. My biggest advice for people when they start a physical product is that uh, to know your margin. So what is your gross margin? What is your contribution margin after delivery and uh, marketing? You know, a lot of people actually, you'll be surprised that many, many people don't actually know their margin. And uh, that's the biggest piece of advice I give to people. Uh, what is your what is your gross margin? You know, what is your delivery cost? And uh, what is your uh, marketing cost? So that's the biggest advice. If people want to find out more about yourself and your work, where's the best place people should go? Uh, the best place to find my work is go on to july.com and uh, buy yourself a piece of luggage. Well, thanks so much, Rich. Really appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It's you're been welcome. Amazing. So if you really enjoyed this interview and you have an e-commerce store or brand and you're looking to scale it up, so you haven't, like you're not looking to launch, but you've actually, you want to scale it up, I highly, highly recommend this new course that we're launching called E-Commerce Masters, where Rich is one of our instructors, where he teaches how to work with manufacturers, how to scale your operations. And we have five other incredible instructors who have all built very, very large e-commerce brands. They're legit founders, legit practitioners. If you want to know more, you can go to founder.com forward slash e-commerce masters. And if you want to know how to start an e-commerce store, we also have an incredible course as well taught by Greta Van Riel, who's launched four multi-million dollar e-commerce stores. You can find out more, just go to founder.com forward slash e-commerce. All right, guys, I'll speak to you soon. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.